This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. right into it because I think it's very valuable as people are starting to head south, people are starting to get ready for the long weekend. Maybe they want to do that in Bellingham or Seattle or parts unknown. Um, Grace Key, Global BC reporter, kind enough to join us uh, talking about long border waits that can actually cause nexus appointments to be missed. Grace, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, it almost happened to me personally. Well, well, I was just going to say, I think this strikes a a chord with you in particular. So these Nexus appointments are hard to get. And when you finally do get one, you sure don't want to miss it. So maybe talk me through your experience and and we can raise some flags for some people that might be in a similar situation. Yes, because you do not want to get in this situation. So we had a Nexus appointment this morning. And of course, you have to go to Blaine, right? Because the the office here that was in Vancouver on Main Street is now permanently closed. And, of course, we've all heard about the waits at the airport. That's this two-step process that we've been reporting on, and you have to have uh, a ticket, right? So we were not in that situation. So we went to Blaine, and, of course, you know, as we all know, when you cross the border, it's a very fluid situation, and there was a wait. We made it to our appointment But when I got there, I was curious because you do have to cross the border to get to your appointment. And I asked somebody there, have there been a lot of missed appointments since the Canadian, you know, Canadian side is not open up and we have to go to the American side? And they said, yes. And I said, well, how many? They said yesterday it was 18 missed appointments. So in one day at one office, it was 18 missed appointments. And I said, well, what about today? And the first hour of opening, it was 10 missed appointments. Hmm. So I thought that was, it seems like a very high number to me. I mean, obviously, it is a long weekend, and there's going to be heavier traffic involved in this. But, you know, summer, as you, you know, that's coming up for anyone who has an appointment in Blaine over the summer, I mean, I don't even know what to tell you because well, that lineup's going to be huge. Well, I was going to say it's one of those things where I'm really glad that you're on because now you got to pre-plan to make sure that you leave yourself enough time to do that. You know, there was so much that was put on the wait times when it came to passports and everything was backlogged. But Nexus is also a pretty big tool. And I wonder right now if people aren't starting to say that Nexus, because there are now secondary ways, including the Can the Arrive Can app, which almost works in the same light as Nexus if people aren't opting just to not go to their appointments for the simple fact that there is now an alternative? Yeah, I, you know, the nuances that, of that, though, I'm not 100% sure on. So, and and when I when I went there, they said, you know, with your Nexus, you're also um, opened, you opened yourself up for these other options, mm-hmm. right? 
So, so I've said it. So I said, okay, so basically you're telling me I can go on the airplane now with these. And he said, yes. So the, I'm not, I I have not applied for those. So I don't know what the interview process is for that. Um, But for Nexus, at least I can tell you for anybody who has that, it definitely is a long wait. Um, And I don't know what they're going to be doing about that. So you know, and then the, you know, people have, we've heard from people at the airport who are having to go through this two-step process, and some of them are concerned because they're, they're saying it just sounds like a recipe, a recipe to miss your flight. And this land um, interview where you Canadians have to go uh, to Blaine, you know, for some folks that could sound like a recipe to miss your appointment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Absolutely. <laughs> so that is definitely a situation and and how early are you going to possibly go? I mean, if you have a morning appointment, I think they open at eight o'clock, you know, how early are you supposed to go? I mean, looking back now, if I had an eight o'clock appointment and it was in the summer, I might just book a hotel the night before just to ensure that I don't miss my appointment, which is a little ironic if you think about it, because Nexus is supposed to be, um, was set up so that people could cross the border in an efficient way that ensured security and it's certainly not an efficient way at least to get to your appointment across the the border it it makes me wonder grace if they shouldn't have the nexus office right at the canadian border i mean they've got the duty free there they've got the places where you can mail your stuff why not set up shop there instead of 25 minutes into the united states i know they're a private uh, private company per se but uh that extra drive and all those backed up lines you could create a separate line right at the border specifically for nexus and avoid this situation as a whole yeah they did have an office years ago that was mm-hmm. uh, by the border but if i recall you still i could be wrong but if i recall you still had to cross the border so and and you know th- these lineups are crazy like if you're talking about a two or a three-hour lineup there's no way that you're getting your vehicle even close to that office right because the lineup can go all the way down to the, what is it, that first exit there. Yeah. Um, so even getting your car past all of that, you know, towards the duty-free, that could sometimes take an hour itself. <laughs> so there's still an issue of just getting your via, just getting to the border itself, even if they did move it onto American soil, which, you know, was the issue as well. Mm. So I, I don't know what the answer is. To that, but I think the situation is certainly going to get worse as the summer moves on and these wait times become even larger at the air at uh, the border. Because you know, how early can you possibly go? And that might not be feasible for everybody to go that early. Yeah, you know what? It's great that we had you on just to at least uh, plant the seed in a lot of people's heads who might not take this into consideration. That uh, yeah, you're going to have to plan ahead. And 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 he brought it up, and I know that it was kind of tongue in cheek, but it might be true. You may have to stay at a hotel that night just to make sure that you could be there for that early bird special. So Grace, thank you for making time for me this afternoon. It's great right. insight. Okay, my pleasure. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Every once in a while, a story crosses the proverbial desk that kind of makes you say, I love it. It makes a lot of sense to me, and it, uh, it's an opportunity for us to shine a little light on something that is coming to this fine city 
Uh, next week, just shy of a week away, a Vancouver entrepreneur is behind a new company that is wanting to make sure that car ownership is accessible for women by hosting the first ever Women's Auto Show this month. Vivian Liu is the organizer. Vivian, good afternoon. Hi, Rob. I want to talk about this because I know as a father to a daughter and I am completely inept when it comes to buying cars, dealing with cars, maintaining cars, um, that I haven't brought a lot of information to her. Whereas you, through your Instagram and through everything that you're doing, making auto easy is actually based on helping women uh, become more comfortable in these scenarios. Yeah, it sure is. Well, why don't we get into some of those? Like, you know, for example, purchasing a car. You mentioned in an article a little bit earlier this week that sometimes uh, even just going to a dealership can be a little intimidating for a woman. Can you walk me through why that might be a little intimidating? You know, it's very common and you can ask, anybody can ask women in their lives and you'll know that the type of experience that women face when they go to a dealership, they are very commonly disrespected. Um, they feel like they're not in a position of power and that a lot of times that comes down to just a lack of knowledge. But even still, even if we come prepared with the information that we need to know about what we're looking for, a lot of times we get ignored or talked down to. And it's just an experience that's not fun for anyone. And I've realized that for people and for women who haven't even been to a dealership or for the last five so years, they're still expecting that type of experience. And what I find interesting, having read through that article, is you mentioned that women do have a lot of purchasing power. They make a majority of those decisions when it comes to purchasing a car. Not all, but a majority. And yet, when it comes down to the dealership time, when it comes time to, you know, cross T's dot I, sometimes they they fade into the background. So I would assume that this is one of the things that you're trying to uh, to balance. Yeah. And to your point, you know, a lot of people don't actually know that women purchase the majority of all cars and we actually influence 85 percent of car purchasing decisions. And yet women are twice as likely to be undecided. And two to to three women don't know where to start when it comes to actually buying a vehicle. And that's why I started this company was to help women understand their options so they can pick and choose the right car for them with confidence. I love the fact that you decided to have an auto show because we'll get into the things that you're offering available online shortly. But to have a forum, a public forum where women can show up with their husbands or their loved ones. I mean, it could be anybody. Um, but more than anything, just a, a place where they could walk in, feel supported and feel like they can get educated at the same time. Yeah, I mean, car shows can feel very intimidating. And, you know, we wanted to make sure this show, that this show was for everyone. Uh, we are dedicating it to the women who are tired of feeling confused or overwhelmed or intimidated by auto information. And we're just looking to create that great experience, a safe space where women can learn about car buying and everyday, you know, major maintenance things that every car owner should know. I was surprised as I was reading that you were inspired by Bumble. Can you talk to me about how that translates into what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone's familiar with the brand and how they how they came out and what it represents for women. And, you know, I think that that's a great thing that's happened and the auto industry really needs that. Um, You know, large part of this industry is very male dominated. And I've been in the industry for eight years now. And frankly, like it is a lot of information, but it's been a great challenge, a great opportunity. And I just see it as a great way to for me to now use what I've learned to help other women. You can follow Vivian on Instagram at Making Auto Easy. Um, They're short, they're sweet, but uh, they're very effective videos. Let's talk about the actual event itself. This coming Thursday, April the 13th, 6 to 9 at Jim Patterson Toyota downtown. Um, Are you expecting a large turnout? Are you expecting humble beginnings? What are you expecting as an organizer? 
Yeah, right now we're expecting around 200 women. Uh, and frankly, the event is open to everyone. So right now we're expecting 200 people to come, which is really exciting. And we're going to have a lot of interactive workshops, vehicle demos, uh, where people can learn about things like how to jumpstart a car, how to change a tire, how to do your own detail work for your vehicle, and how to learn how to uh, purchase a vehicle the right way. We did an initiative at Nat Bailey Stadium. I used to broadcast baseball, and it was uh, a woman's day at the Nat because sometimes sports can feel a little intimidating. And uh, the feedback that we got from it was overwhelming, and I never forgot that feeling of uh, you know being able to provide support. So I think what you're doing is actually fantastic. I look forward to hearing all about it, and I will direct as many people listening today to your uh, Instagram and to Eventbrite to make sure that we can get those numbers up. But more than anything, thank you for what you're doing. I think it's a big deal. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. Vivian Liu from um, Making Auto Easy. And if you're on social media, we all are. Go to Instagram and you can see her videos. It's more than just empowering women. It is actually educating everybody. Like, I have to be honest. I watched a few of those videos and I'm like, didn't know how to do that either. (laughs) So it's okay. But it's nice that there's a local entrepreneur who's really demystifying car ownership and uh, also practicing what she preaches. Vancouver police sending out a release this afternoon with regards to uh, their handcuffing policy. Stating in that release that Vancouver police officers must consider a person's age, ethnicity, and the seriousness of the alleged incident prior to applying handcuffs. And again, this one coming from a handcuffing review. Furthermore, before applying handcuffs, a police officer must have lawful authority that it is objectively reasonable and proportionate to the potential risk that the officer faces to get into this, because I think there's a couple of questions that a lot of us are going to have uh, a great person to have on the show, former public safety minister, Cash Heed, kind enough to join us. Cash, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. Well, let's get into this because I know policies are meant to be updated, but the timing on this one is interesting. Why would they drop this on a Friday afternoon? And what do you think of the uh, early returns on this announcement? Well, let me tell you, I have never seen anything so convoluted than a holiday weekend on a good Friday, you would release this information to the public when, in fact, you've had it in effect since October of 2021, uh, following the handcuffing and the inappropriate handcuffing of not only the grandfather and the young daughter, granddaughter at BMO, but uh, Justice uh, Romley, Uh, around Stanley Park there. So this has been in the public light for quite a period of time. When Vancouver initially responded to putting in their policy, it was uh, as a result of, in my opinion, those two incidents because of the critical uh, response they were getting, not only from some of the law enforcement community, but some of the other community and, of course, Uh, the public in Vancouver. So I find the timing uh, rather uh, uh, not coincidental on anything that I can shine any light on, but I find it uh, somewhat bizarre. I've I've never seen this happen in this fashion before. Well, the thing that it struck me with is, listen, over the last couple of days, the VPD has been taking it pretty hard for everything going on on the downtown east side. So this feels as if the VPD are being proactive and, and trying to improve things. And that's the first thing that I got caught up in is the fact that the timing on this shows something proactive after a couple of days of taking it on the chin. 
Yeah, but you always take the high road. We don't need our police agencies to be spin doctors and public relations people on certain things. And this is, you know, something that, uh, in my opinion, we police officers have always had the discretion uh, when, in fact, they were arresting individuals, whether they would handcuff them or not. They'd always had to be in lawful authority to detain a person in that particular fashion, and it had to be reasonable. And it was always viewed as an application of force on an individual. So if, in fact, we got to a point in our training and our policies within our police agencies where it became such black and white that you will do this you, uh, regardless of what is going on, uh, that is, you know, again, something that's very uh, inappropriate. It's something that we should have never uh, put within our policing systems, and it's certainly something that we have to continue to keep under the microscope. But going back to something that was put in place in October of 2021 and coming out on April 7th in 2023 on a long weekend, uh, I can't find any explanation for that. Well, beyond the timing of it, let's get into some of the particulars or quote-unquote improvements coming from this handcuffing policy. Uh, one of the things, actually the first one of the three that they stated, a police officer used Using force um, is now legally responsible for that force applied and cannot rely on an administrative direction or order issued by the VPD or any officer or supervisor within that. So I would assume this is more, hey, if you're going to make that move, you've got to be a little more sure that you're, you know, justified in doing so. Well, Rob, you have to be justified in any use of force that you apply. You cannot depend on a policy. You cannot depend on the training that you were given at a particular time. You've got to view the circumstances that you're facing at that time and make the appropriate decision on what you were going to do. You've always, as I mentioned, always had to be in your lawful authority and execution of your duty, and that is the application of force. So it all bears down on the individual that's applying that force to justify that regardless of that. I don't know if this is something that we're trying to just reinforce with our officers. If, in fact, there is that particular one, uh, you certainly didn't have to go to the uh, nature you've gone in this and getting this out to the public. We expect our police officers to act within the law. We expect our police officers to use the discretion they have, which is inherent in the Criminal Code of Canada, and we expect a level of force appropriate based on the circumstances. Those are the expectations that the public has. Those are the what you're sworn to do as a police officer in our communities right now. So again, uh, if this is refining or reminding these police officers, these young police officers that are trying their best 24-7 not to rely on these uh, black and white policies, it's a good reminder in my opinion. Well, maybe we'll leave it at just a reminder. Cash, I appreciate your insight on this. I think it's great. And thank you for doing this on a Friday as well. My pleasure. Thanks, Rob. I've mentioned this over the course of the week that social media right now is just running rampant with some stories. And you know what? I definitely think there's validity to said stories. But our kids right now are seeing all of this stuff unfold over in the Ukraine. They're seeing everything going on with the escalation in China. They see everything going on with the potential of the U.S. dollar starting to crash. And it's hard from a tech perspective. I mean, you can't really just box out your kids from seeing what's going on there. But, you know, some of us are used to coming here for our news or they watch global or they go to their favorite news network to try and get the proper authority on what's really going on in the world. But for uh, many of our younger generation and us as well, but 
easier for us to digest than maybe a 13-year-old that is seeing the world around them starting to collapse. So to talk about the tech and the digital lifestyle, Andy Barrar from Handy Mandy, uh, Handy, no relation to Handy Mandy, HandyAndyMedia.com. Good afternoon, Andy. How are you? I'm good, Rob. How are you? Uh, well, aside from hacking your name up there, I've been doing <laughs> fantastic. Um, you know, we usually talk at the wee hours when I'm filling in for Shane. So we've got some primetime talk here. And we were talking about TikTok right now and how it's influencing a younger generation into taking sides on things like global conflict. And again, we always look for blue check marks. We look for, you know, accurate news. But meanwhile, our kids are looking at their phones for seven, eight hours a day and getting some real information. And uh, I'm finding it tough to pull them away from that when it's just everybody and their opinions. How do you go about solving that problem? It's pretty easy, Rob. You got to put your phone down. <laughs> that's, that's about it. But TikTok has the most powerful algorithm out of all the social media platforms out there. It's really, Rob, the crack cocaine of social media. Yes. And, and that algorithm, what happens is if you're a young person, and a lot of older people don't realize this, but young people get all of their news now on TikTok. And the way that that algorithm works is if you watch a certain kind of video and you watch it through, TikTok's like, oh, you're interested in that. You like that? Here, here's another one. And here's another one. So it's just feeding the beast. And so just by watching a random video, you can go down some serious rabbit holes. And that's what's happening on TikTok with a lot of young people is they might have one position and then they just keep seeing that type of content and it can really distort their view. And it's why I really think, um, you know, you, you see regulators like the government trying to block it on government devices. But the, the real story is just how powerful that algorithm is in shaping people's belief and, and what they see on their phones. It's a challenge, definitely. And I know that when somebody like Justin Trudeau comes forward and says, hey, we're going to take this, uh, you know, we're going to look at this a little deeper. A lot of people say, well, you know, not to not my phone. My phone's giving me accurate information. I don't want that. I want freedom of speech. I want to be able to search for whatever I want. But when you talk about the algorithms, those are pretty focused, are they not? Yes. And let's just like put into context the TikTok version that's in China. What they've done is they limit to 40 minutes a day for the youth. And the content that they see is science and educational videos. Hmm. Now you flip over to North America, kids are watching dance videos and other types of uh, news sources. So, you know, you got to understand what's going to happen in 20, 30 years when all these kids grow up. You have, you know, the Chinese kids watching educational and science videos and everyone in North America watching dance videos. And I think that's the, the power of TikTok and why that company, ByteDance, the parent company, is probably one of the most powerful uh, companies in the world because they can shape the opinion of the youth. Now, I don't know if China like like figured this out and that was their strategic plan, but it's kind of brilliant when you think about it because they can control what people see. And from what we know already is that they are manipulating, you know, what people see in different regions. So they can kind of, you know, sway the opinion of people by just showing them certain content over others. And I think that's really what's happening with young people today. So correct me if I'm wrong on this, Andy, and I'm glad that I've got you on because you're, you're very tech savvy. Let's say that I don't necessarily log on to TikTok one day, but I am surfing through Google and I am utilizing my phone in other contexts. And then I jump back on to TikTok. Have they been able to establish a connection with some of the other things within my phone to extract that information? Well, this is, Rob, why I don't have TikTok on my phone, because people don't realize when you 
download it. And you know how it says, oh, we need to use a camera and people accept and accept all mm -hmm. those terms and services. What people don't understand is in those terms of services, TikTok is looking at all of your keystrokes. So every text message you send, your entire contact list, uh, your people that you email, anything you do on your phone, TikTok is watching that. And, and they're using that information to then figure you out to, to, to try to lure you into TikTok and then keep you there by showing certain content. So there's really no reason why TikTok needs to be looking at your text messages, but that's the reason why the governments are banning it on government devices, because that, 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 that it shouldn't happen. That, that shouldn't even be uh, allowed, but for some reason, it's inside there. So they're looking at everything that you do on your phone, even if you're not on the TikTok app. Which to me is the biggest problem of them all. Because I can tell my daughter or son like, hey man, we're done with TikTok, take it off your phone. But the reality is, is if they're going to keep it on their phone, but keep that app close, it's still obtaining information, which to me is the, is, the, is the real part that's concerning. The only other thing I wanted to bring up, Andy, and I, and I just love having you on for shows like this, let's talk a little AI, because I think the advancements in the last couple of years in, in artificial intelligence are staggering to the point that now you can look at my face from any direction and make it look like the AI voice is in fact mine. It's been matched perfectly. The face looks exactly like me, and yet I have nothing to do with that file. How troublesome and problematic could this be? Oh, well, AI is like, it's so hard to keep up with it, Rob, right now because of how fast that it is developing. For example, MidJourney, that's the AI where you can write text and get images prompts, like a, an image created. That MidJourney 5 is so good, it is photorealistic. So you can't really discern if that's a real photo or not. And in this world of misinformation, you just got to imagine how what, dangerous that is. Because people might see an image and it, this could start a war. Yes. You know, you see something and you're like, what? And before people can realize that it was actually a fake image, uh, the damage could be done. And, 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 you know, it could escalate tension between countries. I think that's what really scares me. And MidJourney is only a year old. They only have 11 people in that company and they can do something like that so and then you look at chat gpt where we have chat gpt4 and they're saying that chat gpt5 could come at the end of the year and that could have artificial general intelligence because right now think about it you have to set a prompt on chat gpt but in the future the chat GP can, can do its own prompts and it almost becomes alive. And that's what scares me. I, I think about this sometimes at night and I'm like, where are we going with AI? It's moving so fast that nobody can really predict where we're going to be in the future. Well, I was watching a simulation of AI doing a couple of holes at the Masters. Like they let the technology do the call instead of the I actual broadca broadcaster. I mean, it, it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty damn accurate and i can only imagine how long before they move into this field into general news and uh, again if those are operated by people that have certain thought processes and want to get their message across in particular it's going to be a tough time yeah so andy thank you for uh raise uh, this is a tough conversation for people to digest but um, thank you for the insight i do appreciate it oh thanks rob my pleasure. Andy Barrar, tech and digital lifestyle expert. You can find out all of his uh, handy stuff at handyandymedia.com. I'll tell you this, man, and I say this like not as a doom and gloom guy. The AI stuff is, is brilliant in the fact that one day it might be able to help us cure disease. But at the flip side of that, if it can, if it can do stuff like that, it can do everything. <laughs> like we used to watch these movies like Total Recall and all those kind of things. And now we're pretty much living there. And that to me is um, 
something we need to keep our eye on. Well, Yuba City, California, following suit, uh, I don't know if they knew anything that the Vancouver Canucks were doing, but uh, remember when Rip the dog uh, started to make his way around Rogers Arena and what a good idea that was? Uh, Yuba City Police Department has brought a bunny into the fold, apropos as it is Easter weekend. Officer Hops, <laughs> it's a great story, but I think I've got somebody who could explain it a lot better than me from the department down in Yuba City. Michelle Brazil, kind enough to join me. Michelle, good afternoon. Hi, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, a therapeutic thumper makes a lot of sense at a police department. Why don't you walk me through the process of finding this bunny and bringing it into the fold? Well, it actually turned out it was from one of our officers who was on patrol during the evening hours, and this poor bunny was um, out in the middle of the road, scared and lost, and she found him and picked him up, and we turned him over to our local animal control center in hopes of locating the owner. Um, No owner was ever found, and one of our other employees, our police service analyst, uh, she decided to adopt the bunny and thought it would be a great way to um, introduce him to our employees at the department. So she started bringing, and we actually call him Officer Percy, for the road he was found on. And she brought Percy in, and he's just been a great hit for all of our employees to come in and visit him throughout their shift each day and it's just been really therapeutic for people to kind of come in and just cuddle with them and then get back to their business. Well, you know, mental health is such a key thing and we always talk about the health sector, but I I know law enforcement has also had their strains over the last couple of years and something as simple as bringing a pet into the fold is a big deal. Can you talk about maybe some of the differences that you've seen in in maybe just the, the vibe, the energy within your detachment? Well, we, we have seen quite the improvement. A lot of people, um, They look forward to seeing them on their days off. If they have their kids with them, they will actually stop by the department and let their kids play with them. And it just, it brings a conversation piece to the workplace. Um, It brings kind of an excitement to kind of come in and see what he's doing for the day. And he'll go to each of our different units within the department. And everybody just kind of gets to stop and take a break from, you know, some of the cases that they're working or just their day-to-day duties. And it's just, it's a great break and brings a smile to everybody's face when they get to interact with them. So it's just really brought a a lightheartedness to some of the activities that we do. And it just, it's a great way for us to step back from our day and just enjoy something special. I saw the uh, the photo of one of your members holding on to Percy, and, and they got the little police, um, I guess you'd call it a vest, and everything's you know up to snuff. I got to think that with the kids in particular, that this almost humanizes you guys a bit. I mean, sometimes police get a bit of a bum rap when it comes to the optics, but you know, having a bunny on site and having the kids interact, that's, uh, that's probably a tool that you guys wouldn't mind utilizing, no? Oh, we absolutely use Percy in that way. Uh, We do a lot of school tours with elementary schools that want to come through the police department and get to know us and learn more about us. And we bring Percy out and they interact with the kids and you see a distinct difference with them. You know, they're a little scared when they first come in because, you know, it is the stigma of the police department. And as soon as they see Percy or know about Percy and they start asking about him, then when they get to see him and interact with him and pet him, it 
it changes their demeanor and it gets them just more excited and puts puts them at ease when they come through. And we notice a difference with them when they're leaving. They want to talk to us more. They want to give us hugs more. And it's just, it's a great way to bridge that gap that we didn't have before. And we've noticed a huge benefit from it to where now when we do community outreach at our department, Percy's a part of that. And so the community looks forward to seeing with them as well. Yeah, I thought more than just an Easter story. I thought it was a really neat way to utilize a tool to soften up a a position that sometimes can be a little intimidating. Michelle, thank you for this. I really do appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having us and getting our story out there. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Michelle Brazil, Lieutenant of Support Services at the Yuba City Police Department down in California. And, um, you know, it's funny because when the Canucks came out with RIP, who's the, the, the mascot, the official dog of the Vancouver Canucks, I would guess you would say, for lack of a, a better term. Immediately, in addition to naming it after Rick Rippon, which I think is genius, um, I, I really believe that pets have this unique power, this unique ability to change the entire context of something. And I just think like even the Canucks utilizing RIP and different organizations bringing pets into the fold, it's a big deal. Not, and don't get me wrong, not everybody likes pets. Not everybody wants a dog in the workplace or, you know, dare we say a cat or what have you. But I just think when you go into situations, for example, like a police department where it can be a little intimidating and you see a little rabbit hanging around with its own badge, that's a good thing. That's a great connector between, you know, the general public, especially the youth, and what can be sometimes an intimidating, you know, optic. So I'm I'm all for it. I love it. I have a dog. You know, I didn't have a dog nearly my whole life, and I got one about four years ago, and that guy's going nowhere. I mean, that guy won me over in like five minutes, and um, I can I can see it being a huge benefit in the workplace. I'm not sure if you have one in yours or if you've ever had one in yours. listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always listen to the Jazz Joe Hall Show live Monday to Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on 980 CKNW and connect with me on Twitter at Jazz Joe Hall BC. Talk to you next time.